Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the June 13th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's a Monday edition of the show as we are in the second quarter of the fourth game of the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors taking on the Boston Celtics. I'm Chris, and with me as always is John. We also have a special guest with us. Lowry is joining us. Uh, We'll introduce him in a moment here. But hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you haven't done so already, you can help us out a whole lot by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends and family that may also take a slight interest in sports. Uh, that that gets the word out, helps us to uh, to to continue to do what we do. Also, if you're sick of supporting the big sports websites that are out there, ESPN or whoever, don't even want to say their names, uh, we give you umyasports.com. That's a website that you can check out all day long. Keep Just keep mashing, refresh, because the headlines update all day long. We curate content from across the across the web. We find the best stuff, the local stuff, and then we bring it all to you, and we do that without charging you anything. There's no ads on there. So please do go over and uh, and check that out. All right. With that out of the way, I mentioned we have a special guest. This is the first time that I think we've had a, a special guest on the, or a, a person that is not me or John on the show. I welcome Lowry. Lowry, hey, how are you? Yo, yo. What's up, fellas? Doing good. <laughs> we got you. Awesome. Very good. Like to welcome you to the uh, to the old show. So the first thing I want to ask you is uh, is okay. So you're a fan because that's why you're here. You you love sports. That's is right. That true. Okay. So of the major sports, what is your major sport? Like, what's the like top? Let's do like the top top three. three. Hands down, it's going to be basketball, basketball, mm, and probably basketball. So. Okay, and is that is that NBA basketball? Is that is that NCAA basketball. Um, you know, what I'm a lover that? of all, all probably NBA. I think you know that's it, its highest level, right? So we got to start NBA. Big college basketball fan. Appreciate the game, and uh, you know, I got two high school sons playing right now, so watching a lot of summer ball, a lot of high school basketball going on. So okay, yeah, I'll talk anything with y'all, awesome. but okay, so all levels, all levels up to the NBA. Yes, sir. Very good. All right. So, what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite NBA team? I'm a die-hard Seattle SuperSonics fan. So I've been hurting. <laughs> okay. I've been hurting awesome. for a while, but that's it, you know, kind of makes me a little bit agnostic. So I'm a I'm an NBA fan right now, trying to jump on a few teams. Yeah. Okay. So, so no no particular team. That's great. So you're you're good to talk about things in general. Then 100%. I would think. Very good. And and one day maybe the Seattle SuperSonics will return. Uh, and uh, take the court once more, if we can hope. That would be awesome. Nothing better. Indeed. All right, so we are going to... There's a special topic that Lowry wants to talk about, but we will uh, hold off on that for just a minute. We're going to start in the NBA, uh, talk some some NBA basketball, and then we'll jump over to the uh, the NFL. We've got some topics to talk about over there as well. Um, so let's start uh, with the, the fact that uh, the Heat may be about to get Pat Beverly. What are you hearing about this? Yeah, it's an interesting situation because he went on, I believe it was first take, okay. and was talking to J.J. Redick, and he mentioned the idea of, you know, 
wanting to go to the Heat, and uh, Pat- Patrick Beverly said that would be an idea that he would like to do, um, and that's kind of started the rumor of it now. Uh, and we all we know that the Timberwolves are shopping around some of their players. Um, Russell is a player that they're looking at maybe bring into a different team. Uh, so it wouldn't be that far off to think that Patrick Beverly might be on the move, especially because the Heat are in desperate need of a player to go with Jimmy Butler uh, to kind of complement his game because they do not have that player right now. Uh, and Patrick Beverly obviously brings that competitive edge that is probably only topped by uh, Draymond Green. Uh, and they both have that type of attitude that's trying to get under you know, yeah. the, the opponent's team skin and a little chippy, try to get guy. their way. So he's the type of player that, you know, can help you get to, uh, you know, the playoffs and, and win basketball games with his competitive edge and his desire to win. And he just out all out hustles faster than anyone else that he goes against. And I feel like he's the type of player that complements Jimmy Butler, probably the best that they can, you know, grab from a different team because they're not going to be able to get guys that are, you know, top ranked players. Maybe Donovan Mitchell might be one of the guys that they might be able to get, but if they're able to get, uh, if they're able to get, um, Patrick Beverly and he's open to the idea and he actually likes the idea that's kind of half the battle right there so making a move at him doesn't seem that far off and right now we know that the Heat are desperate need of that second guy because uh, I wouldn't really trust no one else except Jimmy Butler to make any plays Jimmy Butler you know did his best in the playoffs scored 40 points consistently did everything he possibly could but because he had no backup or no one else to kind of help him out the entire series the Celtics were able to beat them in that in that game seven um, on that that last second shot that Jimmy Butler tried to put up for three, which ended yeah. up sending them home. But with a guy like Patrick Beverly, you get a guy that's good defensively, good offensively, can get through the free throw line, just likes to trash talk other players, which is a good competitive edge to have. So then you kind of add a well-rounded player to uh, on top of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and some of these other guys. And obviously they'd have to lose some of the pieces that they already have, but I feel like the benefit would, uh, would outweigh anything else. So I think... It's the time move that the Heat definitely need to entertain because I think it's one of those things that uh, can help them kind of get that competitive edge and it would be better than Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, very good. Lowry, any 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 perspective on that one? It's tough, it's tough. You know, I think it comes down to what what's the price, right? Where's Patrick Beverly at, Beverly at in his career? What are the Heat, you know, willing to give up for him? Um, you know, I don't know that he is necessarily the best fit for the Heat. I think, you know, you would have to probably give up, uh, you know, one of your three-point shooters, right? So is Patrick Beverly going to fill that mm-hmm. spot? I don't know. You know, you got P.J. Tucker, who I think used to have that dog in him, if you remember. Back in the day, he used to be yeah. that, that chippy mm-hmm. guy. So it's kind of one for one. Uh, you know, he's more aggressive on the defensive end. But I think really, you know, the Heat needs some shooting. They need some quality guys that can that can shoot and, you know, a guy, in my mind, someone like a Wiggins, somebody that is athletic, you know, can score here and there. I'd love to see, you know, who they can bring a little bit more offensively focused for. Them. But if the price is right, take them. Yeah. I I think well, if you look around the NBA, like the guys that are, you know, the best three-point shooting players are already found on their teams. So you're not going to be able to pull away. Uh, anyone like Damian, you're not going to be able to probably play, pull away Clarkson. You're not going to be able to pull away these guys that have kind of established themselves as the greatest three-point shooting players in the league. So then you have to kind of look at the next best option of what are these guys that are kind of sitting on the outside of their team, these players that they aren't, you know, position players that are going to help dominate. 
these players like Patrick Beverly uh, or Donovan Mitchell or Gobert, these guys that are just kind of, you know, their names are floating out there. And out of the guys that I see that are available, and I think the Jazz are one of those teams that maybe you could pull away a guy uh, with a Gobert kind of trade. But honestly, if you look around the league, there's not a whole lot of pieces that they can get and or pieces that want to go to uh, a team like the Heat because I think the Heat are a few pieces away. So in my opinion, I think everyone except you know Jimmy Butler and maybe Bam Adebayo should be available for trade, and they should be willing to do that because right now they're in desperate need of that extra guy, that extra weapon. And even if he's more defensive-minded or offensive-minded, I think both are a positive because, I mean, Jimmy Butler just can't be expected to play defense and then offense and play that for the full length of a game without any ability to rest. Otherwise, his team's going to go downhill. So I think if you get a guy like Patrick Beverly, then you're going to get that extra little guy, uh, extra little piece that's going to help him be able to, you know, play Jimmy Butler at correct times and be able to rest him at correct times in a way to bring long longevity to the team. But also, I think if they don't make a move this offseason, they drag their feet a little too much, they could also risk losing Jimmy Butler in the next couple of years because he realizes this team isn't fully bought up around him. So making him like this at least kind of shows him that they're moving in that direction. So I think it opens up a lot of doors for him, and it might even keep their superstar with them for, for a few more years. All right, let's stay in the uh, – we'll stay in the NBA here uh, Lowry, so you you believe that the NBA ha- NBA has a three point problem, is that right? <laughs> and and you might have a solution. Yeah, you know, here's my thought. Right, the NBA has heavily relied on the three point shot. We've seen that. We've seen the game evolve. It's been good. I'm a lover of the sport. Okay. I love seeing the game evolve that way. Um, but what I've noticed, right, you see guys that are high in the market. So I look at guys like you know starting out early, DeAndre Jordan. You know, you have Blake Griffin. Uh, you saw their contract values just kind of drop off, right? You see guys like Giannis, who, and it's ironic because we have guys like Giannis, guys like Jokic, you know, MVP candidates the last couple of years. Um, but outside of that, you get these weird, you know, positions with, uh, you know, like a Zion Williamson. Like, what is his value going forward? Is that going to continue to increase with his style of play, or is he going to? kind of taper off. And so, yeah, I think the NBA has a, has a big challenge ahead of them. I think they need to keep scoring up and a lot of solutions out there, but I got kind of a weird one. I wanted to get out to the ether here. All right. Okay. Let's Let's hear hear it. it. All right. So this is my thought. Basically you don't create a four point shot. I think that's dumb. I don't think you either bring the three point line in or out, but what I do think you do is you need to structure the NBA to provide an alternate way to get three points. And my thought is to do this by giving three points for a lob or alley-oop or dunk, right? So let me explain it. So like a, like a, almost like a trick, like if there's like a trick play of well, some right, kind, a gimmick play. Right off the bat, right? We have about, you know, I'd say maybe on average two, two you know, lobs, alley-oop dunks that occur in a game. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a dunk. I think it's anything where one player is assisting to the other, they catch it in the air, okay. score and shoot, right? So, but what what I think this does, and hear me out, is the NFL, sure. right? We got teams that are specializing in passing. You got teams that are specializing in running, right? Different contrasts of styles. You know, right now in the yeah. modern game, you have you can't stack. You took a team like uh, Milwaukee, right? you can't stack too many seven footers out there, right. Against a team that has to stretch the floor. But 
what does that team that stretch the floor have to do when they have to contend with seven footers running plays back screens for each other right there's a lot of strategy that you can introduce when it comes to uh getting a three-point bucket right off of a play you can't strategize a three-point basket if the guys are out there and they're not hot and they're not shooting threes and the shots aren't falling there's no strategy that a coach can draw up right other than to get that player open but it's up to the player to make the shot i think you got a lot more you can do strategically to orchestrate plays to orchestrate personnel i mean it certainly would create some some more interesting dynamics and some more interesting gameplay i would think um some it would it would it would create some excitement for some teams that perhaps don't have <laughs> don't have don't have the three point capability, right? And it would create contrast in well, play. That, like you're that's saying. the thing. I mean, in my opinion, parity hurts professional sports leagues, right? But but more yeah. does obscurity, right? And that's the problem right now is that the NBA is falling. There's teams and franchises out there that are falling into obscurity because they don't have the resources. They don't have an, another way to compete. If they don't have those three point players they're not going to be competitive. This is going to allow smaller market teams to say, hey, I'm going to shift the philosophy, much like, you know, what uh, D'Antoni was doing early with Phoenix and getting a whole different style of play that I would arguably say, you know, led to the success of the Phoenix Suns and, you know, Houston Rockets when they were kind of going through the transition of identity. How, how hard would it be to, like, judge the play, right? Like the three-point shot is pretty clear. Your feet are behind the line or they're not, right? right? That's that's why, so, that's why I think you don't have to have it necessarily be a dunk, right? It'd be hard to judge what's a dunk, what's a not. But I think you can clearly see, does the pass up, did the player, when he caught the ball or received the ball, was, was, was his feet off the ground? And did he release the ball before his feet came down? So I think it's, it's going to be fairly easy to... Uh, recognize that. And are they going to have to review these things like constantly, right? Again, just because of the fact that it's, you know, not as, not, it may not be as clear and obvious. Have you ever had, have you ever, well, have you ever had down, a question right? and you saw a lob? No. <laughs> I, I think if you do it this way uh, of, you know, the lobs or the ollie oops or whatever the case may be, did that, um, that brings three point plays. I think a the problem with it and why it probably will not be or will probably won't be it might be something that they think about but probably won't be implemented is I think they'll look at the injury risk uh, of something like that that if you're doing that for three point plays and you realize that your team can either hit the three point bucket to win a game or they can do an ollie oop will it lead to more of the stuff that we've been seeing especially this off season of players going up to get meet them at the rim and not purposely injuring them but having a bad angle and coming down on a person's head or on a person's back and causing them to you know have a season ending injury or an injury that can cause, you know, lead to ejections or flagrants or something like that, that can just kind of immediately change, you know, the scope of a game because all the injuries that we've seen that have been, that have led to flagrants and, and, and the like have all come from either breakaway dunks or an all oop of that sort. So is that something that, I mean, that should be like looked at because if it's a three-point play, we already see three-point plays that are in the NBA where players are fouling each other and they, they get injured from, you know, landing area or whatever the case may be. But is there more an incentive to go up there and meet them at the rim, which can lead to more injuries? Yeah, it does feel like a much more like in-your-face flagrant style of, 
a play. Well, I think you know you gotta you gotta go back to what did the NBA build its legacy on, man? I mean, NBA had mixtapes and all sorts of products, you know, film products going out all about dunks, right? Top dunks, top this, yeah, top that, right? right? Yeah. They, they they did it for years, and you know, to be quite honest, the game was a lot more uh, flagrant, right? They didn't have the they didn't have the circle, yeah. right, underneath the hoop. Right to protect the protected area. Yeah, they they have all area. sorts of rules yeah. now, right, to legislate, you know, things against hitting a player in the head or coming across and not intentionally getting the ball. So I think, I think we're at a point now where the modern NBA player, you know, plays a lot differently than they used to, and I I think they're they're very conscious conscientious one of not getting injured themselves. But then two, you know, there's kind of this fraternity, right? You don't see guys going out and taking swings at each other so you know i don't know i think i think you know hey i think it's worth looking at uh, hopefully adam silver is a listener of the podcast <laughs> i think the <laughs> and he considers uh, the, this because i think i think the three point think could be interesting like play needs to be changed just because we like you mentioned there's a lot of teams that are now having like we you've talked about the celtics versus warrior series and how the celtics don't cannot shoot the ball from deep consistently and well while the Warriors have Curry who can shoot the ball consistently from three. So then you get into a situation of it's really coming down for all these basketball games that we've seen for, for the final. It, it came down to who shot the three-point play better. Like that was really what, what it came down to. So ultimately it does need to be fixed and changed. But the question is do they do they do they add like do they move the line or whatever? But I think I think you're I think it's interesting to to add a a way to get a, a three-point play without having to shoot it from deep because basketball it's made made for you know seven footers or six six you know six seven six eight footer people or guys so these people like uh, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Giannis they can dominate and they can do that but then it doesn't at the same time sacrifice teams like the Warriors who can still score from deep. So then you can get into a situation where you can go punch for punch with a team where you can the 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 like the Bucks, for example, are using Giannis to get inside, doing the all oops, getting the points there, but then the Warriors are dominating from three, and then you get these more interesting situations. So I think that's that's interesting. But like you mentioned, football and all these sports have become so focused on, you know, players' health and safety that they kind of have added these rules that make playing defense so much harder. Uh, so th- that's probably the only question that, that would that would kind of prohibit something like this from happening. But I think there's a lot of people thinking about like three-point plays have kind of dominated. So it's going to be changed in the next couple of years. The question is how they're going to change it, and that's going to really decide what basketball is like for the you know the next you know next couple of decades. Okay. All right. Interesting idea. Hopefully they'll uh, be thinking about that or thinking about other similar type ideas that are you know going to bring more. Uh, interest, I guess, to the games and the way that the teams can play and execute and and create some some diversity amongst the league in terms of how they approach things. So, all right, let's jump over to the uh, the NFL, if that's okay with uh, with the two of you. So, apparently, according to KJ Wright, uh, that Super Bowl with the uh, the old interception in the like end zone thing. Do you remember that Marshawn Lynch just <laughs> went on just hand it off and you know that whole thing. How can you forget yeah. that? Yeah, and that apparently like killed the uh, the the Legion of Boom. Uh, basically, was the mark of the beginning of the end of the uh, kind of great defensive situation up there uh, in Seattle. What do you think about this? Makes sense. 
Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it explains why a lot of those players, A, wanted to leave, you know, Seattle and move to the next they team. Just, what, it, broke, it just broke trust it just, in Pete Carroll? It, it's most of these, most of the players, because KJ Wright made the point that in the article I posted, I think it was yesterday, uh, and or Saturday, uh, and it just talked about how these players were playing through injury and they were playing through adversity and they were trying to you know win another Super Bowl, go back to back, and they had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield who was pretty much unstoppable the entire game, and once they saw him line up as they did, they were like you know what's going on? Like we we did all this work to get to this point, we were playing as a squad as a team, and I just think I think it just became a shocker for them that they went to pass on that play uh, so much so that they kind of just I think it's biggest thing was they lost trust yeah. in Pete Carroll because why would you call that play now I, I can't remember who was hosting the the show or the, the 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 little clip but he said that he thought it was the right call for them to pass because of the you know the down and distance and the time left but I mean it just seemed you obvious ha- you had to run I mean this has been litigated gonna, like a billion times already oh yeah it's, it's always gonna be remembered as Pete Carroll's biggest you know failure but it, it's one of those things it makes sense then why the you know this uh the rest of the seasons happened where they did where players just slowly left the team and these players really haven't been able to mend any bridges with seattle with KJ Wright, you know leaving and by wagner getting cut and then richard sherman going to san francisco and uh, earl thomas you know having all that p carroll forcing it back in and getting injured so none, none of those all guys was able turmoil. to reclaim i don't think the glory of the yeah well of not after seattle because i mean that was the you know that was their that was their peak yeah. time in the NFL. But it's interesting kind of to shed a little more light into why Seattle was doing really well. And then all of a sudden it just crumbled. And now we are where we are, where Seattle yeah. is probably one of the worst teams in the NFC with terrible, very little defense. So, and I think it might have a lot to do with, you know, it sounds like it has a lot to do with what Pete Carroll did in that one game and that one play at that very end of that Super Bowl, which is kind of, it, it, sent, it sent shockwaves, you know, throughout well, the entire Well, if I remember NFL. right, like they, they were like slogging it out and they, they mounted this big comeback. And it yeah, was, I mean, it was a hard game to win. It wasn't, and it was it just wasn't right there. It was just right there. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Uh, okay, so uh, we've talked about um, the Debo Samuel situation in San Francisco a couple times. Apparently, he does not want to be used as a running back. So what? He wants to be a wide receiver? Is that the deal? Yeah, he everybody just wants, wants to, play to be a wide in receiver. His position. Everybody. Yeah, he he doesn't want to get you know banged up or whatever. But it's just one of those things that I mean, he's so good at the running back position and that and that and in the wide receiver position that if he wants to play, you know, in a particular you know set and just be a wide receiver, I think that hurts his ability to get a big contract. I think that hurts the team's ability as a whole. Uh, I think it hurts, you know, the San Francisco 49ers as they try to get, you know, go to the Super Bowl. I think it just crumbles a lot of things. Now, I think they have a good set of running backs uh, that can definitely handle the load. But with Debo Samuel, he brought an interesting kind of burst of speed and uh, ability to play the running back position just because he's a wide receiver and he knows all like the like the cuts and how to juke defenders and how to get open and how to get space. So he took all that stuff to the running mm-hmm. back uh, position Excuse me, and was able to so dominate. will he be as you know, special a wide receiver is. I think he goes down from being one of the wide receivers that everyone's talking about and how he's, you know, like one of the best wide receivers, all that stuff. And he kind of just sinks into an average wide receiver because I believe his talent and his ability is still there and his ability to dominate and he'll have some success there. And, but 
at the same time, one of the reasons he was talked about so much as a wide receiver and one of the reasons why everyone liked him as a wide receiver and one of the reasons that they were considering giving a big contract was because he was willing to run the ball at the same time. So if he's not willing to do that, I believe it hurts them as a whole, and I believe it will hurt them going down the road uh, because last season they were so good and so productive because of what he was willing to do. But in the NFL... Now it's not just coaching staff and the you know in the league that's trying to keep players safe. It's the players saying you know I I want to play for a long time. I want to get a big contract, so I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to make sure that you know there's not an injury going to happen down the road. So I'm going to get myself out of those positions where it could kind of go downhill fast and move myself into one of the areas that's not quite as bad and you're not going to get hit quite as hard and whatnot. So I think it's one of those moves that. I just think if you're being a team player, then you you would still be the running back and still help him in that position. But honestly, I think it moves him down from being a great wide receiver to being just kind of one of those average wide receivers that you see throughout the league. But I still believe he he has talent, but it's going to be one of those things where he's going to take a step back probably next season. All right, one more topic uh, before we cut out. So Tariq Hill uh, will be catching passes from a yet-to-be-determined Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback next wait, season. Wait, 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 what? what? Tyreek Hill went to the Dolphins, bro. He did? Yes. Dang. Dang. All right. So Tyreek Hill will be catching to passes from Tua, right? Yes, Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So with that being the case, um, so that was a trade, right? Yeah. And apparently there's been issues between him and what? The, the coaching staff? Him, Andy and- Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Oh. <laughs> they said uh, he said he wanted to touch the ball a little bit more. And he's like, can I just, you know, can you pass me a little bit more of the ball? I want to be more helpful. He talked to them the entire season and said, can, can we just work this out? Can we work this out? And basically they said, no, this is not, it's not going to work for you. We're not going to change things for you. Blah, blah, blah. I so, think that is, that's pretty interesting. I think this, this chief's team is one of those things where they believe they're so well-rounded as a football team. And they believe Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill and uh, Byron Pringle, all these guys together is like, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with. And then you got the defense and they're just so dominant. But I believe now since Tyree kill is gone, they've, they're going to plummet next season because you can try to patch it up with Juju. You can try to patch it up with, um, who did they just take? That's uh, what I was thinking. Juju Don, went uh, to the Chiefs. Yeah, that's a little bit backwards. <laughs> so, but uh, I think they just try to patch him up with Justin Ross, these guys that they're trying to put together. But no one's going to take the place of a Tyree Kill type player. Right. I mean, the guy is, you know, once in a generation type talent. And you're going to, you know, basically tell him you can't touch the football. It's going to go to these other guys and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. And then after the season, he said he wanted a contract and he said he wanted to stay with, you know, Kansas City. And they he asked for a big contract. They said they'll give him, you know, this, uh, I don't remember the exact money amount, but then uh, Andy Reid said, you will be happy with this and it's not going to be moved. So he's like, that's, that's great. It is, it is what <laughs> and it then, is. Yeah. And then they proceeded to trade four first round draft choices to get him out of the team instead of just paying him a few more million dollars to get him to stay. Makes perfect yeah. sense. And then apparently Kansas city did not like, they were very rigid about him having to, you know, be at the team at very particular times. Huh. Even uh, is like his, he said his like grandfather was having surgery and wanted to be there for him or whatever. And the, t- and the team said, no, you may not leave to go do that. And he's like, what? <laughs> so there's just different things, but he, I think it's interesting because you had no idea that happened, you know, like the well, entire why season that way. I think they don't value him as a player because I mean, are they watching think, the same football games that he's, that I've been watching? Yes, I mean he. I think he's the most valuable player 
you know, on that team. I, I think he beats Travis Kelsey. I think he beats Patrick Mahomes. I think he just is because he the way he can, you know, dominate a football game and run away from literally anybody and dominate in any way, shape, or form makes him, you know, truly special. But I think now that they let him go to an AFC rival, which makes zero sense why you put, keep him in your same conference, uh, I don't agree with that decision. But he kind of now is in a team where he can take over. And he has only Jalen Waddle to, you know, contend with. But he's going to get, you know, the the meat of the passes. He's going to dominate. He's going to have less guys on him because Jalen Waddle is going to take, you know, some of the defenders. And he's just going to dominate. And I think at this point, I, I just, I don't, A, I think the Chiefs are on a, you know, that dynasty is over. I think they're on the decline. The, the, getting rid of, you know, Tyree Kill is the biggest mistake a franchise can possibly do. And then you're going to give him to a team that can use him in a very powerful way. But I feel like the, the, the media's attention of Tyree kill has turned from Tyree kills, a great football player to, you know, he's a terrible person for wanting to leave. And, you know, he mentioned about to attack of Loa having, um, not maybe not the greatest arm strength compared to Patrick Mahomes, but a uh, great accuracy. Uh, and everyone's telling him that he's crazy for saying that Tua could have even close accuracy of Patrick Mahomes. But I believe this year, Patrick Mahomes is going to be seen in a different light because Tyreek Hill bailed Patrick Mahomes out so many times because it wasn't like Patrick Mahomes was the most accurate quarterback of all time or he didn't even have to be because Tyreek Hill can make anyone miss and can catch ball, uh, the ball in any kind of space. So ultimately, you know, it's kind of fascinating to hear like that Kansas City seem like and maybe they did value him but it seemed like they didn't value him at all and they just kind of said okay you, you can go and and now they're gonna have to you know sit through all of that because now they're gonna have to figure out the best way to you know patch that hole and i don't think they've added anyone in that can yeah, do that to... all right well we'll see, we'll see. Oh, you got something to say yeah well, i think you know it, for me it comes down to what the nfl is about right like it doesn't make sense to pay anybody but the quarterback that's the only position with longevity Right, you see it over and over and over again. Well, they touch they touch the ball every snap on offense, right? right? And so you know the the NFL versus the NFL skill position players are gonna, in per, you know, forever have this debate until you know it becomes some sort of different contract structure. Yeah. But I, you know, if I'm the Chiefs, uh, you know, just like Seattle, when hey, we gotta either please Russ or we gotta, you know, please other people. Have a ter- or we got to have a terrible team. Welcome to the 2022-23 right. season. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. These are tough decisions that have to get that have to get made and you're looking, you know, you're trying to figure out how to optimize the money you spend so that I still think that like besides the quarterback, you know, the wide receiver is the position you want to pay, but I think if you I think Patrick Mahomes already got, you know, his big contract, but most wide receivers, you know, don't deserve the money that they're getting at this point. They're getting paid ridiculous sums of money. But Tyree Kill is one of those exception players that is like, I don't think you're, that's the type of player that you want just to walk and just to, you know, to go to a different team. Uh, and I think it's one of those rare exceptions that I would argue that they should be paid, I mean, ridiculous sums of money because I think they help your franchise turn into, turn from a playoff contending team to a Super Bowl winning team. And Tyree kills but you can't one of those spend players. all your money there on one position, right? Because they'll just double team him, and you know. I mean, they ha- you've got to be able to balance. Over it the time have- that Tyree kills been there, though, they've not been able to shut him down. No defense has been able to do anything against him. Yeah. So it's it's one of those players that you will not find very often. That is it him or can't is it do scheme? everything? 
Hmm? Do you think? Oh, their scheme is not no. good. No, it, oh, it's him. It's okay. both. All right. Well, because if they if if they plug anyone into that scheme and have them do what Tyree Kill was doing, they would. Well, fail that's miserably. what we're gonna find out, right? Isn't is Juju taking that that spot? Juju's not gonna succeed. Oh, they they just oh, they got that kid Sky Moore uh, out of gosh, I can't remember the school, but the rookie. No matter who you put in there, they're not going to be able to run the same type of scheme. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to look like a completely different quarterback next season. I could be wrong, but that's right. just my okay. take on it. Well, we'll put this in the little log there so we can go back and take a look uh, after the fact, see how you did on that prediction. Uh, we'll we'll right. have uh, not much longer to wait to find out. Only a few months yeah. out from uh, from some football being played. By the NFL. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Lowry, thank you for jumping on the, the show with us and uh, talking a little bit about uh, the, uh, the, the NBA and the three-point problem and some ways to innovate the game. Appreciate, appreciate you jumping on. We will certainly look to have you back on if you're willing to join yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Love what you guys are doing. Awesome. Very good. Listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Like I said, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Uh, jump to jump over to umyasports.com. Check that out. We're on Twitter at umyasports as well. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on, what is it, Wednesday? I'll catch you on Wednesday. See ya.